listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. What are we getting into today? Take a minute to share the broadcast. This is something that, um, as I've talked to younger people, people that are called into the ministry, people that feel a call on their life, it doesn't matter what your call is. Honestly, it doesn't matter what your purpose is. Whatever the Lord has called you to do, this is, this is pertaining to your life, to your call, your purpose. And uh, I have people all the time. I get people on Instagram, specifically, younger preachers, people that are starting out businesses and stuff. And they'll ask questions, which is what sparked this in my spirit. They'll ask questions, you know, one by one. How do you do this? How do you make sure you don't do this when you're in the ministry? How do you make sure that you do this? And um, I wanted to give you five because one thing we need to realize is that every single one of us has a purpose, has a calling from the Lord on our life. It's impossible to be a Christian and not have a purpose impossible. He purposes us. He has a plan for us. And so, um, before we get into that, let me just say we're helping younger people get into that before I I want it to happen before you go to college. I want it to, I want you to understand these things and, uh, realize how to walk in the power of God before you leave school. So we launched the last gen podcast which is out and you can subscribe on Apple, on Spotify and Google, whatever. But these are episodes specifically geared to students to help them understand the importance of not just staying on fire for God, but knowing why you believe what you believe. And so we have a brand new last gen episode today called how to increase faith and skip levels, how to increase your faith and skip levels. And so we're going to be dealing with that today. Alex is doing that on the, uh, on the broadcast, on the uh, episode today on the podcast, subscribe. If you haven't share it with some students, get people involved because this, uh, is a very, very important topic. Many people are in a place of a lack of faith. Sad to see so many in our generation without faith. So it'll help you immensely, but we don't want you to wait until you're, you know, out of college or in college We want to see people set on fire from a young age. But when I get these questions, and a lot of them pertain to their purpose, their calling, uh, many times they're the same questions. And so I want to give you five things today that you need to do actively. You know, I I don't want there to be a misconception that, you know, well, I I got called by God. You know, I have a, a, a purpose. I've got a calling. It's going to unfold, you know, as God sees fit to unfold it on my life. No, it doesn't work that way. There are action steps. You have to take action if you want anything to take place. God can have a plan for you, but you've got to follow God's plan in order for those things to come to pass. You know, you've often heard me use the example of a GPS on your phone or in your car. You can have a route You can hit start from your driveway, but if you don't press the gas and turn the wheel, there's no getting to the destination. And so 
the Lord will lead you. But one of the things that you have to realize right off the bat is that he always expects actions of faith from us. And in fact, I want you to put that in the comments today. God expects actions of faith from me. God expects actions of faith from me. So I've got to press the gas. I've got to turn the wheel. Even I've used this before. Even when you look at stories like second Chronicles 20, uh, when they were going out in battle to fight against the three armies that had, uh, united against them, you know, they said tomorrow, you know, the Lord's going to go out before you, but yeah, but he said, I want you to go out tomorrow. So even though God was going to fight their battles for them, even though the Lord was going to go out ahead of them, isn't it interesting that he still required them to go out against them, go out. I don't want you sitting home and doing nothing. I'm not working for you. I'm working with you. Uh, one of Zach's, uh, teachers in Bible school used to say, you can't steer a ship that is docked. You can't steer a ship that is docked. You've got to leave the dock. You've got to engage on your journey of faith and actions are required. That's just how it is because without faith and faith, by the way, is not just a feeling and it's not just a belief. It's an action. It will always produce action. Faith without works is dead being alone. doesn't matter what you believe if it doesn't spark you to action. That's just like saying that you love somebody. How would they ever know you love them unless you take actions that display your love? And we've dealt with that as well on how we've dealt with the love languages and all that. That's how people know you love them. Same with faith. How would anybody know you have faith? What did James write? I'll show you my faith by my works. I will show you my faith by my works. And so it takes actions of faith to prove your faith. And that's what God's looking for. Go out against them tomorrow. Notice that although God empowered David uh, to defeat Goliath, he still had to go out against him. Although God had given the Israelites the promised land, there were giants in it. They still had to march toward it. They still had to take out the giants and occupy their land. So faith takes action steps. It always does. And it always will. And so these five that I'm going to give you today will put you well on your way to successfully fulfilling your purpose and to do what God's called you to do. The first uh, is very important, and I call it the foundational principle of any person's calling. And that is this, you have got to, got to hear his voice. That's number one. If you're a Christian that has trouble hearing the voice of the Lord, if you are in a position where you don't hear clearly the voice of the Lord. You're in trouble right off the bat because we've got to be led by the spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, that the, all that are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Robert says, well, how do you handle a situation where you step out in faith, but nothing happens in the moment? What should you do next? This is why Robert's question is why it is so important that you hear the voice of the Lord first, 
because we don't step out in faith first. We hear his voice first because if I've heard his voice, and I don't mean I've audibly heard a voice in the room. I hear it in my spirit. If I have felt his leading and heard his voice and I step out and nothing immediately happens, it doesn't matter to me if nothing immediately happens because I know he spoke to me. I know he called me. So the fact that I've heard his voice and I've got his leading keeps me on a track toward my purpose, though nothing is manifesting immediately, it's going to manifest because I've heard his voice. Now, if you go 10 years and nothing's happened, you might want to recalculate. You might want to go back and uh, you want to, you might want to fast and pray and say, Lord, did I miss your voice? Did I, did I miss the instruction? Because it, it shouldn't take forever. You should start to see things incrementally along the way. It's not all going to play out at once, but there should be confirmations and little, little breakthroughs along the way. You know, I didn't just wake up and then I'm at this level of ministry. You know, it's little advancements, little promotions along the way, some bigger than others, but there are always things that we're giving God praise for as we increase in the call that's upon this ministry. You see what I mean? So by hearing his voice, it wouldn't bother me. You know, it's like, for example, I've been in the ministry now for, uh, coming up on what 20, this will be 20 years. And so 20 years in the ministry, um, if somebody came up to me and said, you know, I just don't feel you're called into the ministry, that's, that's going to make zero difference to me at this point. Well, what if they'd said it to me in the first year of my ministry? It still wouldn't have made a difference to me, even though it was the first year of my ministry, I wouldn't have cared at all. Why? Because I know that I heard God's voice. I know I was five years old when I was called to preach. And, and it, if I was in the first year of my ministry, let's go back. If I was still in Bible school and somebody came up to me and said, I don't believe you're called to be in the ministry. It wouldn't have mattered to me a bit because I had a word and a leading from the Lord. And if I know that God's given me a leading and a, and a word, let me tell you something. Ain't nobody going to talk me out of what God said I am called to do this this fortitude, get this now, this fortitude is why it's so vital to know what the Lord has called you to do. So vital because when you know it, nobody can move you off of it. Nobody can stop you from accomplishing it. And so as Robert pointed out, before we step out in faith, we get a word from the Lord. That's what I, one of the things that I've so appreciated about re- receiving from Bishop Oyedepo's ministry is because uh, the mantra that they uh, hold to in their ministry is very uh, powerful in this regard because they say, if God never told us to do it, let it remain undone. If he can't take me there, may I never arrive And if he can't give it to me, may I never have it. Those three things. If God didn't tell me to do it, let it remain undone. If he can't give it to me, may I never have it. If he can't take me there, 
may I never arrive. You see. And so, very interesting that this is the first step. It's like, you know, little Samuel, the prophet, when he was a little boy staying with Eli and he heard his name in the night. You learn to hear the voice of God. He thought first that the prophet had called his name. And so in the middle of the night, he runs in to the prophet's chambers. Did you call for me? No, I didn't call for you. Go back to bed. So little Samuel runs back to bed. Here's it again. Samuel runs back in. Did you, I heard you call me. No, I didn't call you. Here's it. Samuel, the prophet says, next time you hear it, say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. See, the prophet understood the Lord's trying to speak to you. The Lord is trying to speak to you. But isn't it interesting that Samuel didn't understand that the Lord was trying to speak? You have to, as you're led by the spirit of God, uh, you hear the voice of God, but you have to yield yourself uh, to his voice and his presence. And you've got to be sensitive to the spirit. This is why, let me just say, this is why uh, if you live a totally carnal lifestyle where there's nothing spiritual in your life, you've got no devotional life, you don't pray, you don't study the word, you don't praise God. I'm talking about at home. You don't worship him. There's nothing spiritual about your life outside of going to church on Sunday morning. You're going to have a much harder time uh, being sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit than somebody who stays in his presence on a daily basis. Somebody who's praying, somebody who's studying the word, you know, cause God will speak to you out of his word. I know many of you have had that happen. Uh, the Lord will speak to you. Do you know the Lord can guide you and, and lead you by his spirit through something you read in the Bible? You know, this, let me just break this down because this is an, uh, something that's not well understood by some. Um, you know, uh, you can do, well, it's like, for example, my cousin Jonathan was explaining this. He did a, I think it was an Instagram live where people were asking, can, can God speak to you out of his word? Absolutely. And he gave examples like, for example, uh, example, evangelist RW Shambach, you know, when RW Shambach, uh, the Lord was, uh, giving him that building, which I think was a YMCA, he went because he'd read it in the Bible and that popped up in his spirit, how they marched around. They marched around to take dominion. He said, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing. Now, obviously that's not what that passage in the Bible means. That's not the context of the passage. It's not for every person to do that, but for him, the Holy spirit led him to do it. The Holy spirit led him to do it. Same thing. and, And he got the building. Same thing for me. When I was getting ready to go to one Bible school, right? Uh, up in, up in new England. And I was, um, praying about it. The Lord said, you're not to go to that one. You're supposed to go to Rama, which is out in Tulsa. Well, no, none of my family had been there, but the Lord used a verse of scripture in the Bible, though it's not the context. The Lord used a verse of scripture in the Bible to navigate that part of my life, which was what God said to Isaac when he told him, don't go down to Egypt like your father did but go to a place that I'll show you and I'll be with you there and I'll bless you there. Well, that's obviously not the context of Genesis 26, but that's the scripture, the passage that the Lord used to lead me and guide me. It made sense to my mind. 
uh, that I wasn't going to go by tradition where my father had gone and my mother had gone and my uncles had gone and my grandfather had gone. I wasn't going to go by tradition. I was going to go by leading to the place that God wanted me to go. And he said, and I'll be with you there and I'll bless you there. Well, even though that's not the context of that passage of scripture, and I would never preach it as such, it was the leading of the Holy Spirit in my own personal life. So the Lord can use his word to speak to you on an individual level. And he can speak to you by his spirit on an individual level. So uh, if you're not studying the word and if you're not praying and if there's not times of fasting and if you don't worship God, if there are no spiritual aspects of your life outside of going to church on Sunday morning, it's going to be much harder for you to obtain and hear and live by a word from the Lord. This is why we're not to be carnal Christians, but to be spiritual people because our whole life is lived spiritually. And so we've, we have to be spiritual people. And so that's why I'm encouraging you. If there's, if there's, you know, if you see those patterns in your own life right now, well, you know, he's right. I don't do much spiritual stuff. I don't read the word very much. I don't pray. You know, I don't really fast ever. I don't really ever worship in my own home. I don't really ever praise God in my own home. These are issues that need to be rectified because you have a relationship with the Lord. And that relationship is vital to the success of your life. Uh, the Bible says, Isaiah 48, 17, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. How can he lead us if we can't hear his voice? How can he cause us to profit if he doesn't show us what we're supposed to be do, doing? And he does show us, but are we listening? Can we hear it? Can we yield? So the first step in this process is to hear his voice. You might say, well, that's his business. No, it's your business. It's your business because there are things you can do to be less apt to hear his voice and things you can do to be more apt to hear his voice. Crucify the flesh and let your spirit man be built on a daily basis. And that's number one. You must hear his voice before taking steps of faith, before moving out. I want to hear Notice Peter didn't get out of the boat until Jesus said, come. He said, Lord, if it is really you, command me to come. Jesus said, come. And it was only then that Peter jumped over the side of the boat and got onto the water and began to do the impossible. Peter waited on his word. Peter waited on his word. I'm not telling you to wait for 20 years. It doesn't take that long for God to speak to you but I don't just flippantly do stuff in my life. It's like television. All of my family was on television, all of them preaching on TV. Now I could say, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And I'm going to get up on television and preach the gospel. On TV. The Lord had never, he had never spoken to me to go on television. And so I never took any steps to go on TV ever. And it wasn't until the Lord spoke. And then after he spoke and I said, yes, he opened the doors. He opened the doors. I didn't open them. God opened them because he pays for what he orders. And all those doors opened up and now we're on in 180 nations and, you know, millions and millions and millions of homes. I mean, I didn't do that. The Lord did it because I waited on a word. If I would have done it because everyone else was, I would have had to pay the bills. I would have had to open the doors. I would have had to keep the, but because he did it, it's all him. 
I waited on a word. I can hear the voice of the Lord. That's key. If I could tell anybody in this generation, the number one thing that Christians need to be able to do, that is hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. That's the key. Number two, second thing you need to do if you're going to successfully fulfill your purpose, doesn't matter what the purpose is. What's the second thing that's so vital? After you get your calling and purpose, kill your other options. Kill your other options. That's number two. Kill your other options. You know, it's an issue. Double-mindedness is an issue. The Bible says in James chapter one, you read verses six through eight, that anybody that asks something from God, they should ask in faith without wavering or doubting in your heart. Uh, He that doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Don't let that man or woman think he'll receive anything of the Lord. And the devil would love for you to be double-minded in your purpose and your calling. Your, let me, let me say, say it this way. This, this will resonate with you. Are you ready? We're killing your other options. Put this in the comments. My purpose cannot be a hobby. I want you to put this in the comments. My purpose cannot be a hobby. Cannot be. Cannot be. That is so dangerous. So, well, you know, I'll do, I'll try it for a while. No, kill your other options. My purpose cannot be a hobby. Cannot be. Why? Because you've killed your other options. When, when the prophet Elijah was touched by God after battling all that depression and whatever he was going through, comes down off the mountain, comes down and finds Elisha plowing his father's fields with the oxen and the plows. Father was a wealthy landowner. And the Lord shows Elijah that Elisha is his understudy, his son in the, in the faith. It becomes his uh, servant. And later he takes over the role of the prophetic. But notice what happens when Elijah goes down and calls Elisha to come and be a part of his ministry. Elisha steps down off of plowing, kills the cows, <laughs> the oxen, takes the wood from the plows and makes a fire with them, makes a fire with them and burns the oxen on the fire. Think about that. He was killing <laughs> his other options. He was like, well, you know, if, if the prophet's ministry doesn't work out, you know, if a ministry doesn't work out, I'll just come back and plow. Plows are burnt. The oxen are dead. It's done. You've killed your other options. You've burnt your bridges. You know, there was time I was, I was sharing this at the banquet. We started out in ministry. And uh, I can remember the first year of our ministry, 12 months, our, our ministry brought in $6,800. $6,800 for 12 months. And my wife, who was doing very well, Uh, at a law office that she was working with and they didn't want her to leave. They did not want her to leave. They wanted her to stay and all this stuff. And she was, she had told me, 
a couple of times, you know, I can get a job and I can do this. And I said, no, no, we're not doing that. This is what we're called to do. And I'm not breaking up my family because we don't have faith to trust in what God will do. I didn't want my wife staying home while I was on the road for, you know, 250 days a year, 200 days a year. I didn't, I didn't want any of that. I wanted her there with me on the road. We are both called to this ministry. And, um, she had just had Madeline, uh, right when we started traveling, Madeline was two weeks old when we started traveling. And, uh, you know, after that, I said, no, you're not getting a job, not doing that. This is our purpose. This is what we're called to do. We've burnt the other options. You know, one of the things that is so irritating to me is that you see people get out of Bible school that they say they're called to ministry. And then, you know, before you know it, they're baristas, they're Starbucks employees. They're doing other things. Forget the ministry. They go and do other things. Well, you know, whenever I get an opportunity, whenever I get a purpose, I believe the Lord will transit. No, go after it with everything you got. Go after it with everything you've got and watch what God will do. You've got to kill your other options and say, Lord, if this is really what you've called me to do. See, there is, there is a sacrifice. There is a sacrifice to, to doing what God's called you to do. He wants to see where your heart is. He wants to know where your heart is. Are you willing? Was I willing with a, with a wife and a new little baby? Was I willing to go and minister in many of the places that I went to preach? I paid to preach. I paid to preach. And let me tell you something. The Lord knew that my heart was there. The Lord knew that it wasn't about, well, if I don't make enough money, I'm quitting the ministry. The Lord knew it had nothing to do with money. I paid, when I tell you I paid to preach, what do I mean by that? I mean that my expenses, my plane ticket or my car, the gas to travel, plus the expenses of hotel rooms to get to the meeting, plus the food and my family and everything else. By the time it was all said and done and going back home, I spent more on expenses than I came in in the offering in those early years. I paid to preach, but the Lord could see very clearly. It wasn't about money. I was willing to do it because I'm called to do it. I killed my other options. There's nothing else to do. Nothing else to do. I'm not going to get a secular job. None of that. You kill your other options because faith has no plan B. Has no plan B. And to some people that looks irresponsible and it looks like you have a lack of wisdom. It's called faith. It's called faith. It's, faith is not the lack of wisdom. It just looks that way to other people. Let me say that again for people that twist this. Faith is not a lack of wisdom. It just looks that way to other people. I'm going to say that one more time and put it in the comments if you would and in your notes. Faith is not a lack of wisdom. It just looks that way to other people. Just looks that way to other people. But the greatest wisdom in which you can operate is listening to the voice of the Lord. Listening to to the voice of the Lord. That's the greatest wisdom you could display in your life. Greatest wisdom you could display. Hear what he says, do what he says. It's not a lack of wisdom. It just looks that way to other people. Very important that we get that. So you've killed your other options. That's number two. What does that mean? You're going to be single-minded in moving forward. It means that you know what you want and what you're called to do, and now you are attacking it. You're going after it. You're going after it. That's number two. Number three, 
Don't, this is number three, don't get knocked out in round one. That is the third tip I'm giving you to successfully fulfill your purpose. Don't get knocked out in round one. What do I mean by that? Don't get discouraged at the beginning. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't grow weary in well-doing. That's what I'm talking about. Don't get knocked out in round one. By discouragement, people get weary in well-doing. As my brother said, you know, what do you do if you've stepped out in faith and you're not seeing the manifestation yet? I'll tell you what you don't do, quit. You don't quit. You don't stop moving forward. So don't get knocked out in round one. What does that mean? By discouragement. Don't get weary in well-doing. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. I showed that. You'll see it when we played at the end of this uh, broadcast today. Played the video that was like the recap. But we, on purpose, told Zach, as you're making the recap, let people see where we came from. Let people see what it used to be back when I had hair. Back when I was moving the furniture in my living room and setting up a cheap couple of tripods with a crossbar to put a black drop cloth on the back, photography drop cloth, so that I could record videos on a little cheap camera for YouTube because I had a vision to do video and took, uh, you know, a cheap little camera and um, which at the time took all the faith to raise the money to buy it. And one camera sitting there, little black backdrop in my living room with the furniture moved. Carolyn's upstairs keeping the kids quiet, running down to press record, running back up. And um, I'm stiff as a board in front of the camera because I've never done video work before and it's awkward and doing my best to get the point across. And, uh, you know, not, not just that, but sitting in the living room in that house, one camera right next to the door and the doorbell had to turn it off every time somebody came over, you know, all of those things. And, and, I'm, and I'm sitting there looking at those and you'll see it in the video at the end, but where God brought me from, he didn't start me in a studio like this with a professional led wall and lights all around me and all these, you know, camera and equipment and all this stuff. He didn't start me here when I had the vision, you grow to it. You don't despise, you use well what you're given. Use well what you're given. If you're faithful over a little, he will make you ruler over much. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about that for a minute. If you're faithful over a little, you know what that means? Every single week without fail, I put a video on YouTube. Every single week week. I had no experience in video production. So I had to come up with all my content and figure out what am I going to talk about and how am I going to do it? And you know what? So I had to do it. I did everything about it. I did the filming. I did the cinematography. I did the editing. I did the color correcting. I did the audio editing. I did all of it and I edited it down and I put it over and I didn't even put it on YouTube at the beginning. I put it on Vimeo. I put it on Vimeo.com and, uh, I would start popping it on Facebook when Facebook came out and all that, but you know, faithful over the little. So what, what does that mean? Well, yeah, I only had one camera. Yeah. I had a black backdrop and didn't really have anything, but you know what? I didn't say, well, when I get a lot of equipment, when I get a lot of stuff, when my ministry grows bigger, then I'll do something every week. No, I did something every week then with that, with nothing. And God blessed it because I was faithful over little. Hey, Carol, welcome from Rockford. 
faithful over little and God's make me, making me ruler over much more now. <laughs> Compared to what we used to have, this is much. This is much, my friends. You can see through the years, it's like gone up, up, up. Why? Because I never stopped being faithful with what he put in my hand at the beginning. He's the one. Remember this. God is the one who decides the progress and the promotion. So when your due season comes, when your cloud is full, that's when the rain starts. The faithfulness that goes up is filling your cloud. The faithfulness that goes up is filling your cloud. That's how it works. Due season is based upon God's perception of your faithfulness. Due season is based upon God's perception of your faithfulness. Very important that you hear that. Very important that you hear that. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. You might not be, obviously you're not going to be where you're going to finish. You're starting. You're at the beginning. Don't look around and say, oh, this is what I get. No, this is where you're starting. I went back and watched the documentary uh, years ago of uh, Elevation Church when Stephen Furtick started Elevation Church. I went back just to see it. They did a documentary called This Is How We Change the World. And, um, you know, I watched as he went in there. And he was the praise and worship leader with his acoustic guitar in a nursing home auditorium, you know, with however many people were, were willing to come. And he'd get up there and lead the worship and then put his guitar down and preach a message to the people in the nursing home. And all, you know, as, as Elevation Church was just planning and all that stuff, it's like you look at it now based upon what Elevation is now and they're known around the world and what it was then in a nursing home when they're setting up every Sunday morning and he's leading praise from an acoustic guitar till, you know, 50 people, whatever. And you begin to realize you've got to be faithful over little before the Lord makes you ruler over much. That's exactly right, Mike. No one has ever achieved anything or received anything by quitting. See, look at Kim's testimony. We started in a garage five years ago and now have a 4,500 square foot clothing store. Every step I follow the voice of the Lord and he supplied it all. There you go. Faithful over little makes you ruler over much. So you don't get knocked out in the first round by discouragement. And trust me when I tell you, that if you're really doing what God's called you to do, the enemy has an endless stream of people that he would love to send to you to discourage you in the midst of your purpose. Endless stream that you could have the greatest breakthrough of your life. You know, it's like this, this studio came to us uh, by prophetic word. You guys know the story. We stepped into it. God provided. God paid the bills. Everything was paid by the Lord. Everything. We're sitting here, all the equipment's debt-free. We own all these different things. I'm sure the enemy would send a person that would walk through here and go, oh, it's just one room. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's exactly all we needed. And it's exactly what we asked for. And it was paid for and it was God-given, you know. But there's always somebody that wants to diminish the things God's done for you. Always wants to diminish those are the people that I separate from my life. That's why we've had no one do that because I don't have anybody like that in my life. But yeah, we're out of the guise of concern. You know, I'm just a little worried that you guys shut up, shut up. There's always an endless stream of people who would love to come and discourage you in the midst of the blessings God's placed upon your life. Separate yourself from that nonsense and don't get knocked out in the first round. Don't be discouraged. 
Don't be discouraged. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Keep pushing forward. My grandfather had the best, best phrase on this one. He would say, I am satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. Let me say that again. I am satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. What does that mean? It means I'm thankful for where God brought me from, but I know this is not the end, that there's more God has for me. So that's why this is a dissatisfied satisfaction. I'm satisfied with where he's brought me from, but I know there's more and I'm going to receive the more that God has for my life. I'm not stopping here. I'm not setting up camp here. I'm moving forward. That's how you have to be. Move forward. Keep on moving forward. All right. Uh, number four, get this now. And this is kind of, uh, ties into what we were just talking about. Number four, this, this, this destroys so many purposes. Are you ready? Don't let others influence your decisions. Don't let others influence your decisions. Kevin Dalton says, keep looking forward. The rear view mirror is small for a reason. You know, as, as cliche or, or internet meme, you know, people might want to say, I've always loved that quote. And the thing that, uh, Kevin, uh, I heard this, I don't know if you've heard this one. There's a reason why the windshield is so much larger than the rear view mirror. And that's because what is in, in front of you is so much more important than what's behind you. And, uh, you know, I know things get shared so much, they become cliche, but Kevin is exactly right when he writes that. There's a reason why you look forward and move forward. The stuff ahead of you is so much more important than the stuff behind you. The rear view mirror is small. The windshield is very large. And that's why we're not going to spend all of our time looking behind. We're not, we're not even moving that way. We're moving this way. And that's the way we're going to look. We've set our eyes on the goal, on the prize. Right. I love Corey uh, makes this statement here. Don't confer with flesh and blood. Excellent point. And we don't let others influence our decisions. When I, when I say that, <clears throat> let me just say this. And you tell me if you've ever dealt with it. One of the things people deal with heavily as they are moving forward is they may not make a decision because they say, well, what will others think if I do that? What will other people say if I do that? You know, and they'll start to think about other people in the midst of their own purpose. Let me tell you how you should think. Let me tell you how you should think when those things come to your mind. Let me read this uh, verse of scripture. Uh, that, uh, Corey just put in the comments here, Galatians 1, 15 and 16. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. <clears throat> didn't consult with anybody. Don't confer. Why? Because if God's the one who gave you the word, then it's all right for people that love you to give you input, people that you respect to give you guidance. That's all fine. By the way, please discern the difference 
between spiritual leaders who love you, those in your life that truly care about you, that want to see the best for you, those that have been there, done that valuable. And then others who are not doing what you're doing, who are uh, bitter or jealous or whatever it might be. There are people that all they do is they, they live in drama. Don't listen to what they have to say. Now, there are people that if they called me and they gave me uh, guidance and structure work, I would readily listen to them. But why? Here's the question. Why would I listen to them? Number one, they're a spiritual leader that I respect that has spoken into my life previously. True man or woman of God. People that are far beyond where I am that are doing far more than I'm doing that I respect that and want to move in that direction. You you understand where I'm going with that? And there are people that they don't even have time. For example, they wouldn't have time to criticize me. They're doing so much for the Lord uh, moving forward. They're not going to stop doing what and, and turn around, look at me and criticize what I'm doing. No, they don't have time to do that. So I know if they are speaking to me, it's only because either the Lord told them to, or they love me enough to give me some guidance to help me move forward and move higher. But then there's others. They're not doing anything. They've got all the time in the world to criticize you. They've got all the time in the world to mock you all the time in the world to be jealous and all the other stuff. I don't have time for that. And I will never let those people influence my decisions. And that's what I'm talking about because those are the ones you hear squawking. It's not the ones, you know what I mean? That, that are, uh, you know, it's like my uncles or, or my father or other ministers that I, that I know, you know, they're not, they're not going to take time on their social media to bash me. If I, if I take a step forward, you know, go make a decision, Lord, open the doors for television, go on TV. Well, I guess some young evangelists think that they need to be going on TV. Like they've got a word for the world. You know, they're not going to say stuff like that to discourage me, vaguely mention me. We all know who you're talking about. You know, they're not going to do that, but you know, there are people that are going to do that kind of stuff. Everything you say doesn't need to be recorded and put on some platform of some sort. There's people like that and you've encountered, you've encountered them. Don't give those people your time, nor should you give them the concentration or even the, um, consideration of their thoughts. I don't, I don't, I don't give their thoughts any consideration. Why? Because I have no interest. I I, I coined this phrase a while back. I've never heard anyone else say it. So I'm taking full, full, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Tiff? Credit. I'm taking full credit for this today with my lack of vocabulary, taking full credit, but I, I, I coined this and I'm sticking with it. Never take constructive criticism from somebody who hasn't constructed anything. (laughs) That is priceless gold information for your spirit. Never take constructive criticism from somebody who has never constructed anything. Right now, listen, I know people that are great businessmen, but they're not preachers. They're not ministers at all. I would listen to what they have to say about business. If they ever tried to instruct me about ministry or the anointing or flowing in the Holy ghost in my services, it would go in one ear and out the other. 
and if I like them with a smile on my face. If I don't care for them with a rebuke on the other end of it. Why? You're not even anointed yourself. How are you going to instruct me in how to preach to God's people or flow in the Holy Ghost or any other thing? You, you aren't even anointed. So don't, don't instruct me on being anointed. You don't have an anointing on your so-called ministry. You're a business person. So do business. I'll listen to what you have to say about business because you got it going on, but you're not a minister. Then there's others that they, are, they have their ministries, they're anointed, terrible business people. They make terrible financial choices, terrible, but, th- but they are anointed. I have to admit it. I've listened to them preach. I've listened to them, seen them misery. But I don't want to hear anything you have to say about business. You're, you know, you suck at business. You're horrible. You, you're anointed. I would love to hear what you have to say about the anointing, but you're not, you're not a businessman. Keep in mind who you're talking to. Keep in mind who's talking to you. That's why I don't give consideration to the thoughts of some people. Everybody, let me tell you, if people are freely giving you their thoughts, they're probably not worth that much. They're probably not worth that much. What I've found is the thoughts and the input and the guidance that I care about, I've had to seek it out from people who don't readily give it because they understand most people don't do anything with the guidance that you give them. Most people don't do anything with the advice that you give them. And so if, as a result of that, wise people don't just start throwing advice out to everybody. It really has to be pulled out of them. And so I'm just telling you, uh, don't let others influence your decisions. You do what the Lord has told you to do and let the chips fall. Who cares what people think about it? Because here's the real bottom, bottom line issue. When you get to heaven, those people won't answer to God for your purpose. You will. You will. Not them. They'll be judged on what they did. You'll be judged on what you did. I would rather take too many steps forward and have to take a step back than I would be so worried that I don't ever take steps forward and get to heaven and find out God had so much more for me, but I didn't step out because I was worried about what other people think. Step forward. Step forward by faith. You've already heard his voice. You've already killed the other options. You've already refused to be discouraged. Now don't let others influence your decisions. And then number, number five, final thing I'll give you before we pray. Get this. As God does begin to bless you, as you do begin to increase, as you do begin to move forward, don't swell up. That's number five. Don't swell up. What am I talking about? Pride. Don't think. (laughs) That is classic Dylan. Dylan said, like the guy that tried to give my wife and I financial advice while his house was in foreclosure because we were young, quote unquote. (laughs) Maybe pay your bills first. That is classic. That is classic. As you begin to as you begin to increase, don't swell up in pride. Recognize any good thing you have is because of the Lord Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit. Any good thing you have, any increase you have, any blessing you have, it it, it truly has nothing to do with you. You say, well, it's my obedience. No, 
You wouldn't even be able to be obedient if he didn't give you a word. Your, your obedience is predicated upon the words you receive, the instructions you receive. You can't, it's not like you did something. All you did was obey an instruction, right? Say, well, it's my obedience that got me here. No, it was his word that got you here. You can't be obedient to a word you don't have. And he initiates the words. So when you get this in your spirit, it has nothing to do with me. I'm a servant of God. Any good thing comes from his spirit. Any good thing comes from his voice, his hand, his word. That's it. I'm just a servant of God. It's not about me. It's about the Lord who sent me, the Lord who called me, the Lord who purposed me. Pride is a trick. It's a trick. I'll go to James four with you because I want you to see how much of a detriment this is to the life of someone who's expecting to increase steadily. The Bible says, I'll start with James chapter four and verse um, five. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell with us? Verse six. But God gives more grace. Get this now. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What is this passage about? It's warnings against worldliness. So notice, this pride is a trick in that the enemy wants to pump you up like it was you that accomplished it. But notice what happens when you do. The Bible says, and God opposes the proud. The moment you start to live in pride, God is in opposition to those that live in pride. I don't want to catch a stiff arm from God. (laughs) I don't want God as my opponent. I want him on my side. Because if God's for you, tell me who can be against you. But notice, if God's against you, who can be for you. And pride puts God against you. He opposes the proud. He opposes the proud, but then he gives more grace to the humble. That's favor. That's the word for favor there. Gives more grace or favor to the humble. And then he says, so therefore submit yourselves to God. So being submitted to God and his word drives pride out of your life, drives pride completely out of your life. I've seen things that are mind blowing. Just a few years ago, there was a minister. He was everywhere. I'm not going to mention his name because this isn't a broadcast to bash anybody. This guy was everywhere. He was on every television show. He was preaching in every state, at every conference, at every mega church. He was everywhere. I mean it. And he wasn't old. He was young. I mean, just crushing it. Everywhere you look, there he was. His picture was on every advertisement. 
on every television network, had his own show for a while. They gave him his own special. I mean, it was, it was huge. And now he's nowhere to be found. I mean, he's still doing it, but it, pride. And the thing that's crazy is you could see pride anytime you listen to him speak, still to this day, still to this day. Anytime you listen to him speak, if you watched his live streams, even if he was looking into his phone, anything, you could just, you could hear it dripping off of his voice. So prideful, so full of himself. If you went, this is funny, but it's true. If you went to his website, every picture of his website on one side was a massive glamour shot of him with lip gloss on. And then the, the content would be like on the other side of the website. But I'm not even joking when I say every page, like every page of his site was a full page glamour shot of him in a different outfit. Like the whole website was just a photo shoot of him in different clothes. And then the content was on the other side of his glamour shot with the lip gloss. Like to me, I mean, I don't know why others couldn't see it. The pride was dripping off this dude. And I was like, man, this is going to be a problem. Like, this is going to be a serious problem. Well, I knew it was a problem when I saw him go on a talk show. And um, the person that was interviewing him said, well, now you operate with the, the prophetic anointing. He said, oh, yeah, I'm a prophet. Oh, that's amazing. She said, so tell me, can you prophesy anytime you want? Or does that just come on you? Like the, the, that just kind of, oh, no, no, I can prophesy whenever I want. I can prophesy all the time if I want to. Really? You can prophesy anytime. She said, okay, prophesy to me. And then he proceeded to give some of the most vague words of prophecy that I've ever heard in my life. In my life. It's like I was mocking it yesterday. I feel there's a woman here who has been hurt. That was like one of the things he said. He was like, I see in the past, you've had a hurt in your life. You've had a, you've dealt with a hurt. And she's like, mm. he was like, uh, yeah, that's called everybody. And when you say that kind of stuff, oh no, I can prophesy anytime I want to. I can, pro- I can prophesy anytime. I can, I can just begin to prophesy right now. Oh, really? Because if you study the gifts of the spirit, And of course, as you know, if you're visiting to the broadcast, we are Pentecostal. We believe in the full gifts of the spirit. We're continuationist in this ministry. But when you read what the Bible says, it says that it's as the spirit wills, not as the person wills, as the spirit wills. You don't go around prophesying 24 seven. Doesn't work that way. It's as the spirit wills. It's as the spirit wills, just like, uh, you know, you, you look at some of these other things. If people just, you could override everything with your own human will and go do things on your own, everybody would be doing it. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works. And now, dude is nowhere. He is nowhere. I mean, like, you can still find him online, but I mean, his ministry has shrunken to nothing. I mean, to nothing from where he was to where he is now. That's what you don't want. You don't want to be on the rise. 
And I pray God does bring him back to, you know, removes the pride and brings him back to a place of, of, of impactful ministry nationwide again, internationally. But you know, you don't want to get to a place that you're on a meteoric rise and then all of a sudden pride jumps in and destroys the progress and the increase that God's placed upon your life. That's what happened to Lucifer. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. That's what happened to all of these people that that were destroyed. You look at all these people that began to be destroyed in the Bible. Pride, pride destroyed their ability to do what God's called them to do. As you continue to be blessed, as you continue to increase, guard yourself against the demonic trap. And I think I can say that clearly. The demonic trap of pride, the thing that took Lucifer out, the thing that took Adam and Eve out. You know what Satan told Eve? You know why God doesn't want you to eat that fruit? Because he knows that as soon as you eat it, it'll make you just like him. And he doesn't want you at that. She thought, he doesn't want me at his level. I'm supposed to be at that level. I need to be at that level. Pride, pride, and ate it, ate it. It's demonic. It's an attack against, because understand something, humility is the thing that brings blessing, increase, favor, grace, all the things, humility, meekness. It's the key to greatness. And as you continue to rise and God continues to lift you up, you need to work as hard as possible to stay meek and humble and loving. You watch what God will do in a person who's yielded, but they're meek and humble. They do whatever he says and they know. And again, just to hit these five, you hear his voice, you kill your other choices. Don't get knocked out by depression. Don't let others influence your choices as you're moving forward. And don't let pride fill your heart. Now, what I'm going to pray today is that if you're listening to this on the podcast, or if you're watching this right now live or on the replay, If you don't yet know what you're called to do, it's time to know. If we're going to run into 2022, wonders at the end of this year, divine possession in 2022, you got to know what you're called to do. You got to know your purpose. You're not designed to wander through life. You're not designed to stumble through through life, wondering where you should be and what you should be doing. No. And I'm going to ask the Lord today to speak to you clearly. And then for those of you that you know what you're called to do. I'm going to pray that the hand of God comes so mightily upon your life as happened with David when Samuel anointed him with oil, that from this day forward, the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon you. I'm going to pray that and ask God to make it happen quickly before the end of this year. Father, I'm praying for the precious people watching and listening, those in the victory tribe, those that may be visiting. Lord, if they don't know what it is they're called to do, their purpose, their assignment. I pray that you would speak to them today so clearly. Let their spirit be sensitive. Let them be yielded. Speak to them so clearly that they will know exactly what it is that they're called to do. And then Lord, give us the boldness to only pursue that thing, nothing else, to destroy all of their options and be single-minded and to go after what you've called us to do. Lord, for those that already do know, let this be a day that a new encouragement comes upon them. 
If the enemy tried to discourage them in their purpose, let them be encouraged today. Let them be quickened today by the power of the Holy Ghost. I pray you'd open doors that have never opened. Let finances come in that have never come in. Let this be a mind-blowing end of the year for your precious people, I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let this be a, a, a final month and a half of wonders that you'll get all the glory for. Lord, we're excited to move into 2022, our year of divine possession in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for that. We give you glory for it. We expect great things in Jesus' wonderful name. And if you believe it, say amen, throw some fire, throw some hands up in the comments section. I don't care if you're at work, shout it. <laughs> Scare somebody next to you. Don't get fired. Don't get, don't get fired. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Maybe you've not done this yet. I want to challenge you. Before this year comes to an end, and I want you to pray about this. Hear me. I'm doing this as well. I want you to pray about doing this. I want you to pray about sowing a life-changing seed into the kingdom before this year comes to an end. You say, what does that mean? It's obviously going to be something you've never done if it's life-changing. It's obviously going to be something significant if it's life-changing. We're not staying in the same place. What's our confession? We've not been this way before. We've not passed this way before. And so I want you to pray. It might be today. It might be before the year comes to an end. But before the year comes to an end, I want you to pray, Lord, what is it? What is this life-changing seed that I can sow? Something you've never done. Maybe in 2021, you've not yet sown a seed that has outdone seeds of the past in 2020, 2019. Maybe you haven't done that yet. But I want you to pray and say, Lord, what can I sow by faith before the year ends? That will be life changing for 2022. There's nothing that changes in life because a year changes on a calendar. It changes because we begin to make decisions by faith to watch God move. We've already sown the largest seeds we've ever sown. We have a very large one set aside for our church coming up. Carol and I, we've been, we've, we've already prayed. It's already set aside and we would have already given it. It's just that our church receives this offering on new year's Eve. And we have a word from the Lord, from our pastor, from the Holy spirit. And then we set ourselves apart with a seed to prepare ourselves for the new year. It's our last act of the year crossing over into the first part of the new year. And we've got it set aside and it's going to be substantial. Let me tell you that. And I want you to do the same. I want you to set your faith. Maybe you've not yet outdone yourself in 2021. Now's the time to pray and say, Lord, what is it? Maybe it's $5,000. Maybe it's $10,000. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you to sow a $50,000 seed. Whatever level you're at, you have to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to pray and do what the Lord tells you to do in expectation for divine possession in 2022. All the information's on the screen. You can always use the website. All digital platforms are listed there as well. For the month of November, my father's brand new book, The Camels Are Coming. The study on the gifts of the spirit is our gift to you for the month of November for everybody that's sowing at least $85 or more. If you'd like to receive this, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and fill out that form 
and uh, we'll get it out to you ASAP. Don't forget today, brand new episode of the Last Gen podcast. Uh, Alex is dealing with how to increase in faith and skip levels. Uh, You can always grab that at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, I think Google Podcasts. I haven't checked there, so I'm I'm not quite sure. But for sure, the two main platforms, Apple, Spotify. Very, very important. Tomorrow, Carolyn will be back uh, on the broadcast, 2 o'clock p.m. And of course, I'll be back with you 10.30 a.m. I love you guys so much. We're going to play that uh, that video for you so you can see if you've missed it, the year in review. See if you can catch the part when I still had hair. Look at all that God has done. Man, it's been supernatural. I love you. Thank you to everybody for sewing. We love you so much and appreciate you being part of the Victory Tribe. Had so much fun hanging with you guys and can't wait to do it again. Have a great day, and I'll see you again in the morning. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.